Anyway, now we move on to... Uh, well, I actually said the fourth assessment should yeah. be there. <laughs> <laughs> For the Netherlands uh, Environmental Assessment Agency. Yeah, yeah I've, I've, I've been sitting on the other side of the table, so I've been witnessing, actually closely witnessing, what Miles has been doing. He doesn't know, he, until this afternoon, didn't know it, he was featuring in an appendix of a book of mine as the laptop author, but I'll send him a copy. Um, on, uh, in the Shanghai meeting. I, I, so I've been sitting on the, on the Dutch government delegation since 2001 in the IPCC. Um, and I've also been trained as a climate scientist, but also as a philosopher of science, and now moved actually into political science. And I want to share some thoughts with you on uh, actually some problems uh, that I have um, with the IPCC. I have a kind of love-hate relationship with it. I mean, I spent a lot of effort. I was the rapporteur for reform, so I really tried to actually get the thing, uh, or keep it really moving and, and alive for the AR5. I completely agree that it should be the last full assessment round, but let's see where we, uh, where we get. Um, so the whole question of this meeting is on how to best communicate, communicate about risk and uncertainty um, on, on, on climate change. And in the end, I think that in terms of the real communication on, on the risk of climate change, the IPCC is not really up to, to the task to ultimately do that. And I, we also have a responsibility in the Netherlands, my agency, the same with you in Cicero, in, in, in Norway, to actually also do the communication with the decision makers and the public. And increasingly, that it's the case that we cannot just use the IPCC summaries uh, as a stand-in for, for our communication work. And I will explain also why. This is a politician actually in the, in, let's say, 2006 with the Al Gore book who was actually uh, talking about the risk of climate change. He only needed a graph of CO2 and he didn't need uh, IPCC uh, reports uh, uh, in terms of, uh, of, of, let's say, projections. Um, if you look into 2007 after the AR4 came out, uh, I think this is a documentary, The Great, Great Global Warming Swindle. Uh, I've often shown it actually to students, the intro, the first five minutes. And I've now watched it 100 times and I'm really getting convinced of that. So it's dangerous in a way to keep watching this, this, this documentary. It's really good, in a sense. In the terms of how it frames, how it frames that, there, that there would be a swindle. Of course, I don't believe at all that there is a swindle. Now, I really don't believe that there is a swindle. Um, I have been in the Netherlands uh, confronted with uh, some of the problems caused by some sloppiness, in a sense, in the IPCC, uh, this uh, error on the Himalayan glaciers, a very, very bad thing that we also made an error, of course, as PBL, about the amount of the Netherlands being below sea level. Completely irrelevant, and, and I discussed with Miles, which decision maker would base a wrong decision on, actually, I mean, we could just, we learn it at school, we know how much land is below sea level, so nothing uh, doesn't really have a consequence. But it does have a consequence in terms of, um, do we trust the IPCC? And then is it transparent and is it traceable? And actually this whole development, which I very much applaud of having this better uncertainty guidance and better language, um, it leads to, to actually less of a risk in a sense of um, uh, 
uh, well, in itself, it doesn't even lead to, uh, to, uh, to less errors. And I will show you why I, from the error investigation, I came to the conclusion that this transparency is really a big problem in the IPCC. So we had to look for the Dutch Parliament and uh, the Minister uh, to the question, can you find all other errors in the IPCC report? in a couple of weeks, that was the initial assignment. And of course we said, no, 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 we, we can't do the whole assessment uh, in a sense, which you would partly have to do uh, if, you, if you would really go deeply into it. And we said, we will focus only on the regional chapters. And we actually, we changed what we were asked. We, we actually said we were not going just to look for errors, but we're actually going to see if we can trace the highest level of conclusions to everything which is underlying it. And then if we encounter errors in that kind of process, there may be a problem. But otherwise, all kinds of other errors which we may find, we will communicate, but that's, uh, that's not a big deal. The problem being, so we looked at 32 conclusions in the summary for policymakers of the synthesis report. There's quite a hierarchy. It comes... And in the end, we're looking at 32 statements here. They are also based on what's in the synthesis report in the main text. And it also comes from summary for policymakers, working group two, technical summary, executive summary, main text of the chapters, et cetera, et cetera, and the references. And what we really try to trace is whether some of the integrity of the facts that are transported from the underlying literature to the top, whether things uh, went wrong. Well. Some things went wrong. Initially, we had to look at errors. So we found inaccurate statements and we found also inaccurate referencing. But we, what we found actually more worrying, that's, uh, and we said, there's no errors because of how do, you, how do you portray this if we come up with a report that is all wrong? No, no, no. We said, we have some comments on how the IPC has worked uh, in this uh, Four assessment reports, and we had seven with typology of comments. Uh, and the most important one, I think, was that a lot of the final conclusions were not traceable in terms of not sufficiently transparent. We couldn't find from the thousand pages of the report what the main summary statements were based on. Um, we could find it out afterwards, after very intense correspondence with the lead authors who could explain it to us. Uh, so in our report, we give the fuller explanation. It's just often just a few lines which were lacking in the report, which really explained how they arrived at the statements that they did. And this is uh, a matrix where we put down all the errors. But I won't go into that for this stage. Now move to the question of um, what other things we found was that in the Working Group 2 report, there was a focus only, in a sense, on the negative impacts of climate change. And it was not explicitly said that this was the framing. So this is actually a problem if you, if you, if you, I mean, it's a perfectly valid thing to look at risks um, and then look at negative impacts. Um, but you cannot claim that, that positive impacts wouldn't be policy relevant, for instance. Uh, we had a long discussion about that with the, uh, with the former working group co-chair. Um, and then if you have a risk-oriented approach in working group two, you have to question also on how to deal with best and worst cases. Um, and if you go to working group one, they have the big question connected to the sea level rising. Do you rely solely for your information, which you want to give to the, uh, let's say, in the, in the summary for policymakers, on what you get from your models? Or is it possible actually to derive from the literature, from your assessment, also estimates? It's all expert judgment, also what you do with the models, and give also numbers of upper limits of sea level rise or other kinds of stuff. But that was 
actually uh, not doable uh, in this uh, in this AR4. But let's see what happens in AR5. Um, and then the other thing is, of course, do you focus on only saying things to which you can attach probabilities, or you're you're willing to to attach, let's say, likelihoods, um, or are you also going to look and that's connected to these worst cases, uh, to to possibilities for which you really cannot give any probabilities, but there is some scientific plausibility involved. Now, in terms of language, it's it's quite sophisticated language this has developed over the different assessment rounds. Uh, this is an example of a, a part of a sentence uh, on, on attribution, um, taking into account all uncertainties, including modern uncertainties. Uh, the largest part of warming is very likely due to anthropogenic greenhouse gases. This is the statement. And I was negotiating in Paris, and the, the countries couldn't agree on this statement. It was typically China who couldn't agree because it was a stronger version, and you don't want a stronger version. I mean, this was the political kind of thing. Um, and of course, the ultimate thing which can be offered is a footnote, a footnote like China disagrees with this statement. But that's a bit like obvious why you put in that footnote. So they didn't want that, and we came up with a, a very nice compromise that consideration of remaining uncertainty is based on current methodologies. Very helpful, isn't it? So China could claim, okay, well, yeah, it's, it's just the current models. And Germany could claim, yeah, but next round it will be higher, so higher likelihood, so okay. Um, so you can, can have completely different readings of, 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 of how you actually um, interpret the limitations of this uh, uncertainty language. Now, very likely means more than 90% chance. But there was again a problem in, for the climate scientists to really express, also in the SPM, what they mean with very likely. And it's, it's not just, this was in the original draft, the assessed likelihood of an outcome or a result. Um, Something which was really missing in, in the text was that it is ultimately its expert judgment. All kinds of things are coming in, models, data, all kinds of stuff. But it's always the judgment of these authors with all their experience that they have, um, uh, which is actually uh, finally giving the meaning of, uh, uh, of such a categorization. And I think it's really important to, to and I think in AR4 it, 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 it was okay. I think in the guidance note now it's, it's, it's perfect. So AR5 is going to be perfect in terms of uncertainty language. Now, there are some problems with that. Here's the Dutch delegation. Just to say something about these delegations and, and how they relate to uncertainty. All these delegations are different. Dutch delegation has for a long time been, the, in a sense, the best climate scientist, or the, the, the people who really wanted, it should be right, and the uncertainty should be there in the SPM. It's, it's important for the science. Um, and I was sitting there as a backbencher to really uh, hammering uh, down on these uncertainties. All these different countries have different views, like the German delegation is typically environment ministry. They want to have strong language on climate change, uh, not too much on uncertainty. Um, they really get angry. Uh, they really physically nearly attack me if I say there should be something uncertainty. The guy comes running, running to me. We don't have EU coordination locally in the IPCC, but this is this is this is really tough. Uh, and uh, you can imagine Saudi Arabia, China having uh, again different positions. Um, I won't map the UK now. Um, <laughs> then. Of course, how it, how it works is it's, 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 a, it's a very cumbersome process, but I think there's a beauty to it. So line by line, you go through it, and lead authors, they have worked 
very hard to actually take into account every comments they already received and they are putting it on the screen and they ask, does one, any one of the 194 countries have any comment on this sentence? For each sentence. And typically not the most important ones because there's not quick agreement, so there are then contact groups and this is where the most interesting things happen and this is where you end up in my appendix um, of, uh, of how that negotiation went. Yeah. This was already shown uh, by Miles, but this is this beautiful. This is poetry for me. I mean, I'm a I'm a nerd in uncertainty, so I love this. But does this communicate? I mean, this is the the first uh, let's say IPC report where the the new guidance note uncertainty was applied. This was a special report on extreme disasters. Yeah, you just, I'm not going to read it for you, but but if you read it, it's really like okay. What does it say? Let me read again. Um, so the decision maker asked me, what, what does it mean? It's, it's, re it's really hard. I really, I really would go back and actually would make my own kind of statements. And I would, yeah, I would cut some corners and perhaps put in some numbers somewhere, etc., etc. I mean, this is, this, is, yeah, this is the high point of IPCC communication on uh, uncertainty. I mean, it's really correct, I think. So I'm, I'm, I'm proud, but I'm also sad. Um, and I didn't do it on purpose. I mean, I've been pushing for this. Um, so we need something else. Also in terms of the relationship of IPC and climate skeptics, it has been a very awkward one. And, and it, I focus on that in my book as well. So the assessments of the IPCC, yes, they are not only just science. They are social constructs, as I say. Um, they're both scientific and political elements going into how you reach these summaries for policymakers. But it is an interactive process, and the lead authors, they, in, the, in the end, they have an ultimate veto right, in a sense, also on changes. But the countries, they can make all kinds of changes and become owner of the text. And the best compliment I've heard lead authors say after being very exhausted at four in the night in the latest, uh, well, the fourth day, that all this fuss, and they re it didn't really change, did it? Well, this is actually, I mean, it's, 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 it's a beautiful organization that that's possible, that we have a UN organization where you can actually get a, a very good scientific text out. So I think it's very successful, the IPCC, um, and its success of such a boundary organization depends on how it relates to the science and how it relates to the policy. Now, the skeptics say it's very successful, the IPCC, because they relate so good to the policy and because they, they then base their climate policy making on these IPC reports. Yes, very successful, but not successful in terms of the underlying science. They have not been open enough for the skeptics. Um, I have investigated this claim in very much detail with going into all the comments that were submitted and all the responses to the comments and the comments on the comments on the comments by the review editors and actually all the proceedings. I've literally transcribed everything which was said on model uncertainty on attribution in the Shanghai meeting 2001. Um, and I found, actually, that this whole process was, was very inclusive. And there were actually lots of comments which actually were taken seriously. So skeptics do have influence, but there is hardly any reflexivity on this process and, 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 and on actually taking these different viewpoints into account in for instance, not ending at, at very likely. You could have said very likely in Shanghai based on your methodology. You could have. If you, if you would have believed your models, you could have said very likely in Shanghai already. But OK, okay we will get better. But they didn't do that because they, they, 
they thought, okay, should we fully rely on the models, and and how how shall we how shall we correct for that? It was hardly traceable how you did that, but through emails and John Mitchell, etc., I was able to reconstruct. And I think it's 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 true that there is actually an influence of being trying to be really careful, perhaps sometimes even too careful, but try to be careful. So it's not. A scientific consensus in the sense that, that all agree on everything. It's uh, the IPCC's policy-relevant assessment, which really acknowledges uncertainty. But then here comes the problem. It's very, very, very difficult for the IPCC to, to do something which I, as a government, really wants the IPCC to do. But they cannot do it. What I want the IPCC to do is to give me, in very simple terms, explanations of why some of the arguments used by the skeptics may be wrong. Perhaps sometimes somewhere in the text box, but um, blogs are of course excluded as input. It's 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 really hard. Um, so this is how I will end. We decided that there are more platforms for communication. It's not a competitor to the IPCC. It's something different. We just launched it this week. We've both been attacked, but also been complimented for it. It's called climatedialogue.org. Um, this website. Um, I've just taken a picture this morning, um, explores different views on climate change. What we do is actually we ask scientists, and actually scientists with sufficient credibility, who have different views on a number of, topic, on a number of topics. And I'll actually give a list of the topics which we would like to go into over the next few months. So it's what are the causes of Arctic sea ice decline? Current discussions about climate sensitivity, about sea level rise, urban heat island effects. I mean, you can recognize them from the skeptic box. Uh, value of, what is the value of comprehensive climate models? Uh, discussions on ocean heat content. And also a very important one, which I think is the IPC it doesn't have a natural tendency to address this, to give an answer to why didn't the temperature change so much over the past decade. So these are just some, 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 some topics which we we have set aside some space um, in, uh, in the blogosphere. It's a, it's a blog. It's, uh, it's funded by the Dutch government. It's moderated by people from different agencies, but also by a climate skeptic. So it's a, it's a group of three. Um, and I just invite you to, uh, to, to have a look. Um, and uh, well, thank you very much for having me.